The following live recording of Swami Vivekananda Saraswati is presented by agamayoga.com. Forbidden science. Many people don't even know exactly what the idea behind this would be. The idea is that many people believe that in yoga we are talking and talking and nothing can be proven, right? That means some people believe that, uh, okay, maybe if you do yoga for five years, you will get to feel these mysterious chakras or prana or nadis or whatever they are. And that that's basically it. And whenever I'm mentioning things such as parallel universes or other forms of intelligence or things like uh, out of the body experience, astral projection or uh, uh, other such, such things, people say, well, it sounds a little bit like fairy tales. I mean, what proof do we have until we we'll manage to do it ourselves? What proof do we have? Is there anything in the world of science which comes close to this? And uh, of course, it is not enough to tell the people you know that there is written in this and this book of parapsychology that uh, the American government has spent millions of dollars researching on telepathy or researching on out-of-the-body projection, astral travel as being the perfect method for espionage and stuff like this. Because even so, people can say, well, what is in the world of science? The funny enough thing is that Actually, there are things in the world of science which prove exactly things about space and time and nature of energy uh, concerned with yoga or related with yoga. But very funny, most often we don't know them. That means even the scientific information is truncated to an amazing level. It is, there is such a situation today in the world of science that there are both books, authors, conferences, sites on internet. When you go in those places, it's like suddenly you are on a different planet. It's like suddenly uh, you wake up from a long, long sleep, from a dream. Uh, there is a lot of people, even belonging to the scientific community, crying loud and clear today, conspiracy, a lot of information being suppressed. For one purpose or another, usually purposes related more with manipulation and uh, keeping the power, keeping the secret, uh, having uh, technological or knowledge advantage, but definitely is that in this world there have been done a lot of things and that they are not presented to the large public. Being uh, in my starting days with yoga, being an engineer, I was always very interested in this kind of things because for me, uh, if you say that Jack can do telepathy and I cannot do it myself to check him, then it can be very well a story. But to see a machinery, to see a piece of equipment which can do something, this is kind of a thing which is beyond cheating or beyond doubts that it's not a subjective human factor. And that is why I was very much interested in this kind of subject to see if I can find things in the world of science and technology which show uh, this kind of secret information. 
And I was surprised because once I started finding them, I found not one, not two. I find I found really amazing, amazing amounts of suppressed scientific information. And usually anybody who is going into this direction first is timid and shy and incredulous and the more you discover the more it's like you funnel down an abyss because it gets worse and worse. Things about which you would never believe they have been invented and instead of us benefiting from it in daily life or you learning in school, either in the field of communication or in the field of energy or in the field of healing or in the field of so many other things, they are simply not available. Somebody out there doesn't like you to get that information. It's such a strange thing that many people say, come on, it's impossible. Actually, the yogis say that if you look at a bigger image, you will see that it is possible. The explanation of this strange situation of fact is in the fact that information does not run freely. The first who said it in writing on this planet was actually the Buddha himself. Buddha in his elegant discourses says two statements in two different parts of them and it is up to you to put them together and to see the conclusion which arises from it. In one part of the elegant discourses, Buddha says the human suffering or pain is called, is caused by ignorance. The cause of pain is ignorance. That means Buddha means it generally like this. You suffer because you are ignorant. If there would be knowledge, there would be no suffering. Example, your father dies. You suffer. Buddha says, poor ignorant. If you would know what happened to your father, where he is, and if you would be able to see him with your mind's eye and contact him, where would the suffering be? Because maybe your father is having a great time right now and you like an ignorant sit and suffer. And Buddha says perhaps if you would know when your father would die you would laugh and celebrate because it's a, it's a moment of joy that your father has died. But your ignorance makes you suffer. Because of ignorance even events which could be positive are for you negative. And in another part of the elegant discourses, in a totally different uh, paragraph, Buddha says, and our power of understanding is generated, that means our knowledge or not, being ignorant or not, is generated by karma. That means Buddha says a very, very strange truth. If your karma does not allow you to hear something, you won't hear it, because information is not for free. In a certain way we can say you have to deserve information. Information is coming according to a merit. Exactly as you have to earn some things in your life and nothing comes by accident and exactly as the yogis say even the fact that you are beautiful or healthy or wealthy or whatever you are is a result of our previous karma and by working on karma, you can influence your present status. Buddha says, even the power of knowledge is there. That is why you will see some very surprising attitudes in yoga, because many yogis consider that the most important thing is to know, to know truly, to know in the meaning of real knowledge. 
the yogis say the worst fate is not to know because if you don't know the truth you are lost that means the yogis themselves stratify the karma on levels and it is say, they say there is physical karma, there is material karma, there is emotional karma, there is mental karma, and there is a karma which relates directly with the knowledge. When you have everything according to your karma, and you are born handsome like Alexander the Great, and you have the karma to become both powerful and rich, still if the knowledge is not there, you are not getting happy you are not reaching any realization. That is why the yogis, because uh, this is a long story, they agree with this opinion that knowledge is not flowing for free. Only people believe. Today, because we live in a world where you have internet and media and CNN news channels and stuff like this, people believe that everybody knows everything. That we are living in a free world of information where everybody kind of knows everything. You would be surprised how much information is being held from the public, not only in the military kind of uh, government kind of understanding, but in many other ways. It is simply a superstition. That's why, first of all, I wish to challenge people open your eyes, don't lie down in a tamasic way as we say in India, inert, don't become tamasic and sufficient, ah, it's just enough to turn on the television and they will tell you everything. They won't. It's not only because they are some big bad wolves who are hiding information from you, but because they can't. The information simply cannot flow freely. And some things, even when you want to bring them to the public audience, they don't come there. Everybody is surprised that even paranormal phenomena, little miraculous thing, a Baba who could do something, a guy who could levitate, a man who could do this and that, they are really not public information, right? That means even when you make efforts, they are not public so much. Like you take like, I don't know, it was a harassment, right, some 20 years ago, Woody Geller was bending spoons, right? What is that information? Because here you have a guy who is bending spoons. He got to the level where if you go on internet and you'll search the Uri Geller site, it was true at least five years ago, there was a price of a million dollars put on internet of whoever can bend the spoon by internet uh, modalities. And the guy, I think I told you once uh, when we were speaking about uh, dowsing and pendulum things, that he was becoming multimillionaire by doing radiestesia and pendulum things in Africa and other places for big companies and so on. That means these things are there, but you don't hear, right? You don't hear that somebody can become a millionaire and earn a living and actually this thing exists and so on before you dig. It's like the human beings are wrapped in a veil of ignorance. It's like a lot of things you should not know. And Buddha says very clearly, the first and foremost is the lack of knowledge. Your lack of knowledge keeps you blind. That is why in uh, yoga we are confirming this ancient Greek myth that it is difficult to bring knowledge. That when you bring knowledge to people, there is a price to pay. Remember, this is the myth of Prometheus. Prometheus, the Titan, wanted to bring the knowledge of fire to people to improve their lives. And he had to pay. 
for bringing the knowledge of fire. The gods punished him because it's a kind of a, it was before time, it was an initiative of this one to bring the knowledge of fire. I don't know if you are familiar with Greek myths, but that is exactly what the Tibetan Lamas and what the Indian Yogis say about the revelation of knowledge. They say you reveal knowledge, then you have to take karma on yourself. That's why the Indian yogis are sometimes very idiosyncratic and very particular because they say you should not give knowledge to everybody because giving knowledge to everybody, especially if you go over the limit, it will bring karma on you. The one who gives knowledge has to take the bad karma on the others because if you give knowledge, you actually remove karma. That is why in India they have all these stories about Guru. In India, Guru is even the man who is teaching you to read and to write. A guru for Westerners is some kind of religious person who is kind of, uh, you have to touch his feet because he is some kind of religious superstition of the Indian people. But actually the Hindus say that the Guru is the one who is teaching you even to dance or to read or to write because that is knowledge and knowledge comes from God. Knowledge is the divine factor which can make us get of our ignorance, get out of our pain and suffering. And that is why the yogis have very clear ideas. They say be careful and don't fall into this trap because knowledge is not coming for free. You have to fight for knowledge. You have to deserve knowledge. You have to earn your right to knowledge. In 20-something years of being in yoga, I have tried to observe this factor every day. And I have observed it every day. It's amazing how the information runs, what the access to information is. I have seen people, when they were having to have the right information, they could go on a shelf of books in a bookshop and they would pick up the nearing book. I mean, the book which contained the right information for them was here, but they picked up another one. I've seen people, they came to yoga courses, they had a specific problem. In the evening when the lecture on that problem was given, they didn't come. Because it was too boring every night. I better sit with the Baba and smoke some hash or whatever. You know, I'm just, tonight it's too much, too much lectures, too much. I have to go to the restaurant to eat some paneer tikka tonight. The heck with all the lectures. And they didn't come, paradoxically, but not at all unexplainably. They didn't come exactly in the day where the knowledge which would have saved them was there. Because karma says, don't have to get this knowledge. Because Buddha says, if you get the knowledge and you can actualize it in your being, you escape suffering. So if your karma wants to keep you in pain, people can't really understand this. Westerners sometimes wonder, what does it mean that my karma wants to keep me in pain? Example, in your previous life, you have been Caligula, the Roman terrorist, the Roman murderer. When you come back on this planet, you have an awful karma. Your karma requires that you should be kicked in the ass big time, because you simply deserve it in the laws of karma. And people say, why is this child having polio at the age of two? And why, even when it was crippled and poliomyelitic, it also developed, uh, I don't know, iodine insufficiency and it became idiotic. And on top of the whole thing, there was also a car that ran him down. And I mean, it's like bad luck, over bad luck, over bad luck, in a chain that never ends. And because of this, 
the, I mean, the views of the Buddha and the views of the yogis are very clear. The karmic change is sometimes terrible. Sometimes it can seem merciless because you can look at a little child and say, why is this little child suffering? And mercy is there and compassion is there. But on the other hand, if you think that that child might have been an Auschwitz murderer, you can think double, twice, and say, well, for the soul of this child, this destiny is a need because it has to learn something from this terrible situation. It cannot stop me from feeling pain and compassion at the view of this child. But there is a much bigger universal order in which everything makes sense. And that is why I am deviating from the original subject here, because I want to make the thing clear, which for most people who didn't hear much about yoga and who are new to the oriental ways of thinking, they are surprising. That means sometimes your karma needs to keep you taking punches, taking kicks from life. And how does it keep you? by ignorance, because if you would become knowledgeable, you would escape. Knowledge is escaping from pain, real knowledge. If at least karma cannot give you the, stop you from knowledge, it will make you take false knowledge. Patanjali in Yoga Sutra says false knowledge is as bad as no knowledge. I remember that someone once asked my guru, why are there so many fake yoga teachers teaching bullshit in this world? And my guru answered, because there are also people with heavy karma who deserve bad teachers. Because when your karma is shitty, you go to a bad teacher who is teaching you bullshit, and you suffer further on because he is teaching you irrelevant things. And you're, you are simply deviated and put on a deadline. It sounds very cruel, but what people do is also cruel. So people who do cruel things, they have a cruel outcome from the universe. That's why the yogis say, first of all, behave. Because if you misbehave, the universe will find a terrible way of forfeiting your lives and putting you in confusion. You don't want to fight with the universe. The universe is much stronger and cleverer than you ever may be. And that is why, coming back to this, <clears throat> the wise of the East and Buddha himself, they have noticed the unavoidability of the karma, that if the karma takes you, it is a titanic work to fight against your own destiny, against this karmic potential. And this manifests with knowledge. I have seen people, when they were exposed to a certain knowledge, they even fell asleep. They fell asleep in the middle of a lecture, like you are sitting now, and when I'm starting to say something which is relevant, suddenly a big sleep takes you. You put your head down, lie down a little bit, and have a five-minute nap. And in those five-minute nap, you lose exactly what you had to lose. Afterward, you wake up and are shining again. But those five minutes were crucial, and if your karma is really stern, you are missing it. That's the problem with information. That is why the yogis say, there is a blockage of information. Physically, we have limitations. That means I physically cannot go faster than a certain speed and I cannot be in five places at the same time. 
Energetically, we have limitations. My system of nadis and of chakras cannot take more than a certain energy at a given moment, especially if I am a beginner, because I'm having limitations, I'm having impurities, and if I try to put too much energy in my system, I start feeling nausea or dizzy or pain in some parts of my... There are limitations. The yogis say they are not only physical and energetical limitations, they are also informational limitations, which in plain language simply says some people cannot find some things out. Some people do not have access to a certain information. It's exactly like the universe classifies people in levels of security and you have access only to this much information. That is why the yogis considered that knowledge was sacred. This is why the books of yoga were secret and so on. Even today, when you look at people who study this kind of things, you find out that very often they cannot find the relevant information in so many ways. I could speak a lot about this. If you want, I can give you a typical example, which I give in my regular yoga lectures. There is a French journalist, there was a French journalist called Jacques Bergier, because <clears throat> I think he must be dead by now, this, he was writing this in 1950s. He even followed this subject and he noticed he, he was a very materialistic kind of journalist, uh, war correspondent in the Second World War, he fought in the French resistance, he was a Marxist in his uh, uh, philosophy, very materialistic, very atheistic kind of person, and even he as a journalist, could not, could not fail to notice that there is information which is forbidden. He, for example, noticed that even in the Western lore, there were a lot of books which never hit the press, which never reached to be published more than a certain level. And he noticed with amazement that those books are like cursed. Everybody who tries to touch them and to publish them, they get into big trouble, going up to the fact that they die mysteriously. And because of this, he wrote a famed book, which is called The Accursed Books, The Damned Books. That book of Jacques Bergier, when you read it, it spooks you completely, because it is written by a journalist with facts. There's not one, there's not two. Jacques Bergier mentions at least 20-something titles of books and strange things, some of them scientific, some of them awful, some of them very strange such as the Ars Amatoria of Ovid, a part of it, of the Roman poet Publius Ovidius Naso, and which are simply forbidden literature, and when you look at the list, you can't believe it. But this is exactly what it is. People really don't understand. They believe in coincidences. They have this superstition that some things are coincidences. When you put them together and see such a book, it's way beyond coincidence. Those coincidences would require a cosmic chance for them to be there. What am I trying to tell you? That information is not available. Even in the field of books and information, some information is not reaching the public. The yogis believe that certain information would simply change the fate of humanity. If suddenly now, instead of being dependent on oil and coal and whatever, we would have available, let's say, cold fusion, free energy forever, Humanity would go on a different level. Many of the social, political, economical things would be changed and humanity would go at another level. Maybe it would destroy itself, maybe it would evolve to a better state. This is unclear. 
but definitely such knowledge would change the destiny of mankind. You can see what electricity, simply the discovery of electricity, what it made of our civilization. Today, even in Rishikesh, if electricity stops for 15 minutes, we are stranded and a lot of problems start. But for example, imagine what would be a place like New York without electricity for a week. It would be like Stone Age, again, it would be total jungle in a few days. That is why I'm telling you again and again, the even scientific discoveries and progress, they change the face of the earth, they interact with the human destiny and with the human consciousness. Think about how the world must have been when there was no quick transportation, when there was no communication, when to hear what is happening in Europe would have taken years to get the news of what is happening in Europe, just from one continent to another. Imagine what is, what would happen when people did not have wristwatches. Today, if somebody is coming 15 minutes late, you are getting a poll. But how did people give dates to each other or rendezvous or meetings when there was no clock? Because the clock is a 200-year-old invention. That means when people, when you had to meet with somebody, you said, we meet at noon. And that noon meant that you came and waited. And the other could come three hours later, and that was at noon, because nobody had a watch. People were very different, right? The society, the atmosphere between people might have been very, very different. A simple thing like the clock and changes the mentality of people, changes the planet. That is why the yogis say that even technical knowledge, even scientific knowledge, it influences the destiny of people, it influences the levels of consciousness, it influences the destiny of humanity. That is why it appears very strangely that certain inventions are not meant to hit the market. I once met a guy, this guy was an aeronautic engineer. He had made so many inventions, he even invented the flying jetpack which they use in NASA. The American astronauts, I don't know if you have seen, they have prepared for the lunar missions and Mars missions and they use it on the Earth some kind of flying backpack, a jetpack which you put on the back and you see it in the science fiction movies where you have some buttons and you fly with it. This guy was the inventor of the flying jetpack. He had the brevet, the license for its invention. So he was a very solid engineer in aeronautics. In his life he built from scrap more than 60 cars. He simply was building new cars, new models of cars. Very creative kind of guy, typical mechanical engineer with genius. This guy one day, he built a machinery, he was, when he was 20-something young, he suddenly had a moment of genius and he realized that the golden numbers of the Greeks, they had some special information in it. And therefore he built a machinery, uh, simply a cogged wheel machinery, a mechanical thing with an engine, which he discovered, which was made by some of these golden ratios, like the diameter of the cogged wheels and so on. And he discovered with amazement that this machinery could break one of the fundamental laws of dynamics, the third principle of dynamics. Half of the modern science is built on the third principle of dynamics, the law of action and reaction in mechanics. And this guy made a machine, I've seen it. It was as big as this, I've seen it functioning. Now he must be 70 years old, 60 something. He made it 40 years ago. He made a machine which violates the third principle of dynamics, no doubt of it. 
I will not go in technical details to explain you what it does and how it is built. And he simply he took this machinery, built, and he took it to the office of license and brevet, and he said, I want to make my own license to make the copyright, or whatever you'd call it, the scientific license, for this. And the guys from the scientific office, they looked at that machinery for one week, and they tried it in all kinds of ways, and afterwards, politely, they gave it back to him, and they said, please, take this thing and go away, they said, because this thing violates everything we know about mathematics and physics, and if we license this, we have to put down half of the modern science and physics. So he said there is no mathematical and scientific explanation today for what you did, it's rejected. We simply, that means the facts have to disappear because it violates the theories. And the guy, because he was a very wise man and he knew something about what I'm telling you today, he realized it's not time for what I have invented. And he put it in his drawer. It has been for 40 years in his drawer. I have seen it after 30 years. Of the guy never went again and he never shows it to anybody. He shows it to friends and he says, this is what I have discovered when I was young. And he says, there will come a day, probably, when somebody will reinvent it or when this will be made public. Until then, it stays in my drawer. Like this, you would think that this is a singular case. It's not a singular case. There are many, many such things and I have seen many of them touch them with my own hands and seen such things and it's amazing, it's amazing what, what a kind of disinformation it's not disinformation, it is exactly this limitation of energy that the energy, I'm sorry, that the information does not flow freely that is why, because, and this man understood but other people do not understand and then they hit against what parapsychologists today, they even have a name for it. It's called the wall of silence. Sometimes some information is hitting something which is called the wall of silence. It doesn't reach you. It never makes headlines in the media. And if it makes, then we'll see exactly where it gets. Today I was uh, very curious to see some a month ago somebody brought me a clip from an Indian newspaper seems there was a rumor that some Irish guys they came up again with some free energy device it's called the Jasper device, there is even a photo of it they came with the eternal dream to produce energy out of nothing they are not the first ones, it started long long time ago Nikola's Tesla did it, others and others did it and every time it doesn't reach, right? We are still complaining, have to pay a hell of a lot of money for gasoline and for this to be dependent on the balance of politics with Middle East and Arab oil producing countries and it's a whole thing there and it appears that we could have energy for free forever and therefore humanity would become free. Every individual can have as much energy as they wish and be free forever. But funny thing is that these things don't happen they don't occur like this and we can ask ourselves why that's why I'm saying you can even take modern examples in this article with the Jasker machine it said that there was um, there were more cases like this like for example 15 years ago when some British American people they came with this cold fusion thing that they discovered the cold fusion in the house there was even made a movie after it, this Keanu Reeves chain reaction movie and so on. That's a very nice propagandistic way of dismissing something by making a movie on it 
you have conspiracy theories, you put Mel Gibson in conspiracy theories movie, and everybody says, ah, it's just a Hollywood movie. You have a problem with the three men in black and UFOs, you make you put Tommy Lee Jones in Men in Black, and then everybody says it's just a movie. You are not going to tell me that you believe in such crap. You have the cold fusion, put Keanu Reeves in chain reaction, and everybody will say, oh, come on, it's just a Hollywood movie. You must be kidding. The funny thing is that under this appearance, either it is made on purpose or not, there is sometimes always very strange coincidences. As a parenthesis to this parenthesis, I remember that once there was in Britain, in 80-something, in 84, there was a big scandal because a film producer, a crew from BBC Science, they have made a movie which is amazing, and if you can find it, I don't have it here to show it to you. I would have shown that one to you, even in this lecture. It is called Alternative 3. It was made by BBC Scientific Production, and Alternative 3 simply stated something incredible. It stated that there are American-Russian bases on the hidden side of the moon, and that we have reached on Mars in 1963 already, and that many scientists disappear because they built a community for surviving of mankind on Mars. It is an amazing documentary, which is simply blowing completely your bulb. I mean, it contains some facts which you don't even suspect. And the funny, when this documentary was presented, in England there was an avalanche of letters to BBC and so on, that why doesn't the Parliament clarify this issue, and that a public inquiry should be done on it, and that the broadcasting should be done for a wide audience and so on. And guess what happened? This broadcasting, Alternative 3, it was rescheduled. It was broadcasted one, once more. I don't know if it is the karmic coincidence which made this, or if it is a genius in manipulation who made this, but you wouldn't believe they, broad they broadcasted it on the 1st of April. And everybody thought it was just a joke of the 1st of April. They just thought it was a prank, an April fool joke, and so on. Amazing how things are. And in this way, uh, there is a lot of stuff into this. I'm coming back to my idea that means sometimes people can see this wall of silence, and sometimes uh, there are so strange obstacles to it that people aren't even afraid. I mean, there are scientists who know when they reach this wall, they know now you should not press further or you get in trouble. I know scientists who are simply aware. They said, if I continue with this invention, I, I even risk to die. Not necessarily by the hand of a human being, but I simply know that now I'm pushing it a bit too far. That is why I could introduce a lot of things like this, but I'm telling you, yes, there is a forbidden science. There are a lot of things out there which belong to this, and if you are curious in seeing scientific evidence of things that largely surpass today's science, you need to do one thing. You need to do your homework. You need to push a little bit. You need to research a little bit. Because knowledge does not come for free. First, it is hidden. And many of my pupils, when I tell them this thing, they don't realize it. And after one year or two years, they come and tell me and they know already more than I know. And they say, did you hear about this? 
did you hear about this? It's amazing, they said. When you told us first time, we thought it was just a story. And then I started looking into it. And after a few weeks and months of looking into it, I saw so much of it, it was amazing. You know, it's like I was blind until then. I never looked to see what is actually happening. That is why I'm telling also you, open your eyes and look a little bit. Just make a few months of research in this field in parallel with your daily life. You don't need to give it 24 hours per day and you will be surprised what you will discover under the scenes. In the Jasper article that I used to tell you a few minutes ago, this new free, free energy machine, I'm very curious to see what will happen with this one as well. Uh, in this uh, article, it was said maybe this is a hoax and a false hope, like it was with the cold fusion some 15 years ago. It's interesting. What is the cold fusion? Very interesting. Two, uh, two guys seem to discover it, and when five years ago or seven years ago, I was talking with a Danish engineer who was the president of the Danish Institute for Ecologic Technology and who himself was a fan of cold fusion. And this guy was one of the very, very square kind of persons. That means even his temperament was totally flat and square. He was one of the really boring kind of human beings who would never invent things. He was deadly correct on things. And this guy, told me, actually I met with one of the inventors of the cold fusion and not only that it worked and they could do it, but the guys got bought by the Japanese National Electric Company and this guy is living in south of France in a five million dollar villa which was paid by the Japan National Electric Company. And in the newspapers it says cold fusion never worked, it's a hoax. It's interesting, it would be interesting for a journalist to take up, to pick up the trail and to say what has happened with the inventors of cold fusion and where they are now and to analyze a little bit this kind of thing. But you see, this kind of information is modeled. We read about all kinds of things, but this kind of breakthrough thing doesn't hit the lines, the headlines. That is why I'm telling you uh, all these things because the first challenge is for the people to open their eyes and look. Today I can tell you a lot of things and I have brought with me a list of such parapsychological and other such things which you don't even suspect, especially if you are not into this alternative thing. But you may believe that all I am telling you is just a cleverly built up hoax because you haven't seen them or held them in your hands and many of these things you haven't tried. I am giving you a little homework and an existential challenge. Look a little bit into these things. You would be surprised to see what has been invented on the surface of this earth. And it simply doesn't reach a lot of people. And the yogis say it doesn't reach because it would change the surface of the earth. It would change the history of mankind. Diesel. Who hasn't heard the word diesel? All the cars are petroleum, they are with gasoline or diesel. Diesel is the German engineer who invented the diesel engine hundred years ago. Very square scientific personality. Very, we are not talking about a hippie or a crazy guy who was pretending phantasmagorically that he discovered something which he didn't. You know that Diesel claimed that he discovered the water engine, an engine propelled with water. Not only that he claimed he discovered, 
called the journalist to show it to them because he claimed he also built it. And he went to London for a thermodynamics congress. He kept a lecture in London on thermodynamics and he was coming back to Berlin or wherever he lived in Germany to present his water engine the next day or the next week. And he simply disappeared from the boat. Diesel disappeared from the boat which brought him back from England to Germany. And people say maybe it was tough luck and he fell in the North Sea in the night because he was looking at the stars and he got dizzy and he fell and drowned. Tough luck, it happens. It happens, but why didn't anybody find the diagrams of the engine or the engine itself? Because the guy said he built it. There was no diagrams, there was no engine. Nobody has discovered the water engine of diesel. He's not the only one. I was reading some well, couple of weeks ago an article in Nexus magazine, but at least five different inventors, they came with the same thing. Only in this field of water-driven engine, water propul propulsion. It's amazing. You never hear about them. And people say, imagine what would have been the first world war and the second world war if tanks and airplanes would have had air-propelled engines. Big difference in the history of the Earth would have been there. And that is why I'm telling you all these things. Scientific creativity is a gold mine. Scientific creativity is as much as art creativity and it is the place where we meet with the infinite. Thomas Alva Edison, the American inventor, who made, I think, around 3,000 inventions in his life, in the end of his life, he confessed that perhaps 90-something percent of the inventions which he made, he made them dreaming them. He was dreaming in the night, and then he woke up in the morning and he knew how to do it. He realized he got information in his dreams. Where did that information come from? The same happened with Mendeleev, the Russian scientist who discovered the periodic table of elements. The, in the turn of the century, people were frantic to discover some system in the chemical elements to make order in our knowledge of chemicals. And, and you know what happened? Mendeleev dreamt it. In one night, he dreamt the periodical table. Where does that information come from? Because it was not before. A guy dreamt it. That means the yogis say there is a source of information. There are levels of the mind and of the universe where the information is being stored. And therefore, even the scientific creativity is there. In the Tibetans, for example, they claim that they had knowledge of technical advanced things from Shambhala. You will see tonight what Shambhala is and from previous cultures which, and civilizations which existed on them. The Tibetan travelers, they say that in Tibet there existed libraries which were closed even to the Tibetans themselves. And they had this seal on it, this sign on the wall here, was on the libraries, which meant belongs to Shambhala, not to be opened until further notice. And in those libraries there was information, including scientific information, which was just amazing. Until today, the scientific world is speculating how the heck did the Chinese get the atomic bomb when nobody really sold it to them like it was with the Russians that they got it sold. And you would be surprised that the general from China stated that actually they got the information when they conquered Tibet in 1950. They laid hands on the libraries in the basement of the Potala Palace in Hassa and they found the secrets about how to build atomic bombs. 
in a library which was immemorial from hundreds and thousands of years ago. That's why he, they were saying that our principle of doing this is different than the Western principle because we discovered something, we have knowledge from somewhere else. A lot is there, that's why people say there is a meaning. Now, historians say, why did the library of Alexandria burn down? Some people say it was necessary to burn down because the information gets lost. There are laws which make that the information gets lost. Things are very, very complicated. I'm tantalizing you with these things just to show that definitely we don't know everything. And even in the field of science and scientific creativity, there are many things. And so people who say, ah, oh, occult, yoga, you speak about exploring the universe. It's not only about this. The whole thing is mysterious. There are laws of physics and laws of the universe that we are fumbling, that we are only vaguely, vaguely knowing what they are and how to use them. I have so many examples to give you from the world of science that some of them are totally shocking. Like for example, let's take a simple one which I'm giving from the science of synergetics. In, from the science of synergetics, I'll give you a simple one first. The gramophone. Everybody, at least in a movie, must have seen this kind of strange funnel-like thing which they used in the gramophones in the old days, right? They did not have electricity and the sound from a plate to go to a gramophone was going through a funnel-like thing. You would be surprised to know that scientists They've measured how much energy goes inside here because you have a needle which picks it up from the gramophone plate and it's a measurable energy. How much energy goes in here and then this energy becomes sound and it comes out as sound through the funnel here. And you can make it, you can measure it with an audiometer. How much energy comes in here? How much energy comes out here? Well, you'd be surprised. Parapsychological books tell you that here you get four times more energy than here, which is utterly impossible. That, that somehow it steals energy from the environment, it collects energy from somewhere. This you didn't learn in the school books, and nobody, even if you have a degree in physics, those of you who are here have never heard about such a thing. Because this is not being taught in school. What else is not being taught in school? That Henri Quander, the aeronautical engineer, who invented the jet engine in 1910 or 12, he made two experiments. He made also, that means I'm talking about a very scientific personality who is very well known in the world of aeronautics and so on. He made the energetical account of the birds. And he found out a very simple fact. Birds cannot fly because they don't get enough calorie for flying. If you calculate how much a bird spends for flying, it spends much more than it eats. So according to Arik, one the birds can't fly because whatever they eat is not enough for the energy they develop by flying. You want another living mystery? The fly. Yes, the simple, nagging, ugly fly, which is boring you when you do meditation and whatever. You know that according to the laws of aeronautics of today, the fly can't fly. Aeronautic laws was told to me by this aeronautic engineer with his invention. This one, and he should know, since he invented flying machines himself, normal machineries of flight, they should have up to 100 kilos per square centimeter portent power for being able to fly. 
And the American engineers, they calculate it for a normal fly, a kitchen fly, and it has a thousand. And this simply means a fly has ten times more than it is permissible for any device known today to fly. And yet the flies are flying quite well, right? And in this, well, in this way, there are many, many such things. I'm telling you a lot of stuff of the kind. The Tesla coils, for example. Tesla, the, American, the inventor of Serbian origin, Nikola Tesla, he was another kind of genius, pair with Edison. And he made some inventions by which he was planning to give free energy to the earth. He was making some huge towers generating energy. He built the Tesla coil. Anyone of you has knowledge of electronics, just hit the Tesla coil on the internet and you will see it's a very simple electronic device which has a very very clear physical explanation when i learned electronics in school my teacher passingly told me that this thing about electronics and the coil can make that actually theoretically one can reach eternal energy by doing this process but until now nobody has done this thing and actually it doesn't work quite like this well it's wrong tesla did it and the Tesla coil can be built. Every single person can build a Tesla coil. I have a friend who actually built one at home, and the damn thing is working. It is amazing that actually you can generate energy endlessly by making an electromagnetic device which amplifies this energy. And Tesla had in plan to put such towers of energy every 20 kilometers and to fill up the earth with such towers and that everybody should have energy for free. Guess who was the sponsor of Nikola's Tesla? Westinghouse Electric. Guess what Westinghouse Electric did when Nikola's Tesla invented this? They cut his sponsoring. They stopped his research because the guy was ruining them. He was ruining all the electric companies of this world if he was inventing the free electricity and free energy. Not to speak about the political and other things by which you can be controlled, right? So in this way, there is a lot of stuff. When I talked with you about uh, healing, I mentioned, for example, Wilhelm Reich. Wilhelm Reich, again, solid scientific personality, he discovered the new energy of nature. Today, the scientists tell us that there exist four basic energies of physics, and some even say there are three, because one of them is reductible to one of the other three. Okay, three or four basic energies of the universe. Well, this is if we don't take into account Wilhelm Reich, because Wilhelm Reich discovered a fifth energy, which is not known, none of those known until today, but nobody wants to listen. And it's strange, today, even psychotherapy, we have the Reichian psychotherapy, we have the Neo-Reichian massage, we have bioenergetics from Wilhelm Reich, and so on. A lot of everybody in psychology and psychiatry knows Wilhelm Reich and his methods. But everybody seems to have forgotten that Wilhelm Reich spent half of his life inventing the orgone energy and making orgone energy generators. He made generators, accumulators, engines spinning with orgone energy, and he even discovered the cloud buster. He discovered the machinery which, by which he could change the weather, a Russian cannon-like thing, like a Katusha barrel thing, which is spinning like an aircraft cannon, and he could point it towards the clouds in different places, and he could change the weather. Wilhelm Reich was sued into court by the neighboring farmers because he destroyed their grapes, because he made snow in the middle of the summer, 
and stuff like this and he completely fucked the weather in the area where he was living because he was playing with his cloud buster experimenting on the weather and in this way you never hear about this thing Wilhelm Reich lived he is a well-known scientific personality if you search on internet about orgon and orgonomy you find out that there is a very discreet society of orgonomy and there is a bulletin on orgonomy but nobody knows about orgon energy although we are talking about machines if i'm telling you that baba lalal das was levitating in the jungle you are going to say yeah yeah we have heard about a lot of groups who do a lot of things this is all cock uh, and bull stories nothing about it but if i'm telling you that build and right build the machine and i have seen tens of such machines built and they work and they even heal cancer and you can change the weather with them that's already something which shakes a lot of convictions because people believe funny enough in the solidity of the scientific world the world is what we see it to be what about the so many unknown energies The yogis say that much starts from this feeling of mystery that when a human being starts feeling my god we actually don't know we are like lemmings like sheep we know we just accept what is being given to us by television and newspapers but we never look right the school doesn't teach you and cnn doesn't speak about the orgon energy of billiard right does it mean it does not exist well when you look at it a little more carefully you see that it exists and that it can do a lot of things for you and that every family on this earth every household on this earth would be benefited to have a Wilhelm Reich machine in their home to be able to heal their kids or to do things and so on not to mention about the fact that we complain about the weather weather issues now i refuse to think what would happen if every family would get their cloud buster and try to change the weather in their own way one of them wants rain because his wheat needs a little bit of rain and the other one wants sunshine because his kid is having his wedding today and he does not need rain during his wedding of course it would become a mess but that is the problem with knowledge more knowledge always involves more responsibility and new problems arise from it I could tell you a lot but I'm just brushing through this kind of uh, things which exist there like um nobody has probably heard about Ernetti professor Ernetti Peregrino Ernetti that one starts uh, cracking again <coughs> just clean it a bit Peregrino Ernetti is a real strange person who hit the headlines in 1970 Italian professor He was a very strange mixture of qualifications. He was professor in polyphonic music in Turin University and as such he pretended that he discovered in the Vatican library a copy of the treatise on strings of Pythagoras which is supposed to be lost today. He was not only a professor in polyphonic music, he was also a physicist. He held a license in physics and he was a professor of university degree in physics. And moreover who was a benedictine monk as well this strange mixture of a guy pretended never less and never more and i'm sorry i don't have that photo with me to show you the only trace of his discovery which was left professor Bernetti and he was mediatized by Robert Charroux in Corriere della Sera and in a lot of places that means he really made headlines in those days and there are protocols of the proceeding of the congress where he did this 
which show exactly what he did and how he acted. This quite solid scientific personality, he claimed never more, nothing more and nothing less, that he made a chronovision, a time view machine. He managed to see images back in time. He made a machine which could take a photo 2,000 years ago. He actually took such a photo. He took the head of Jesus on the cross because he was interested in Jesus. I have it in the yoga hall in the other place when I'm teaching the regular courses. If you are curious one day to see a photo which a scientist says it's not a painting and it's not an artifact, but it is a real photo taken by an electronic device of the face of the real historic character that was Jesus <coughs> while he was agonizing on the cross. You can see it there. The Professor Ernetti, not only that he explained a lot of things about this, but he refused to give the full principle of his discovery. He said that it's too dangerous and it will destroy any form of privacy and it would be misused by the military and by the government and he was so very right on this one. And he made a demonstration. He asked some of the professors from the Congress to give him a private object of their own or a drop of saliva or a blood on a piece of paper and to give him a date from their life when they wanted a photo. And he was able the next day to produce snapshot photos from the past of some guy which he didn't even know. Could give them a photo from 20 years ago in their wedding day. And this was completely, completely absurd according to what we know scientifically that somebody, even in the absence of that person, just by using a drop of saliva and so on, can give that. And a British, he's not the only one, a British uh, doctor called George Delaware, he did the same thing but starting in, in a slightly different way. There are others and others, I don't have time to tell you all about this. I was speaking a few days ago when we spoke about medicine, we were speaking about radionic and radiesthetic medicine, this thing with the pendulums and so on, which even Uri Geller is uh, doing today. Amazing things are coming there. I don't know how many of you have ever heard the name of an American inventor called Hieronymus, Thomas Gallen Hieronymus. Thomas Gallen Hieronymus made history and if you are interested in the radionics and so on, there is a book written by two prominent parapsychologists today, John White and Stanley Krippner. Stanley Krippner is one of the world authorities in parapsychology. They wrote a book which is called Future Science. Very rare book, it immediately disappeared. It's one of those books which didn't go much. It's, not, it's hitting against the wall of silence. When you read that book, you can get it only, I think, to antiquarians and second-hand uh, book dealers. If you want to read a book which will take you on another planet, read this book. It's a real scientific book, The Future Science of uh, Krippner and White. The chapter about Thomas Gallen Hieronymus is simply like the science which belongs to the next millennium. It's something that you can't even imagine. We are talking about waves of form, waves of information, a carrier and carrying waves, modulation of information on electromagnetic waves and other kinds. It's amazing. It is simply a science which is not hitting against the headlines and so much can be done with it. If somebody can take a photo of your tree, you have a tree which is sick in the yard of your house, and if you can give me a photo of the tree, and I can put it in a Hieronymus machine and irradiate the photo with something 
and make your tree healthy 3,000 kilometers away, this is something which you have never heard about. And question, in the Hieronymus machine they discovered that this story doesn't work if you destroy the negative. That means when you make a photo, you have a film, and the film is the negative of the photo, right? This negative cliché is the link. If you burn it, you can't use the Hieronymus machine anymore. That means if I make a photo of a tree and put the photo in a machine and irradiate it, I can heal the tree. But if I burn the negative, this little celluloid black piece, which is the negative of the photo, if I burn it, it will not work. The link is broken. There is an informational link that we don't know anything. In the old days, the Red Americans, the shamans, the medicine men and the Red Indians, they believed that if you take their photo, you capture their soul. And therefore they didn't like to be photoed. The yogis of India, they didn't like people to take photos of them and some of them completely forbade it. And even they used their powers for stopping people to take photos or anything because they said that many, many, many things come to the photo. Today, you can hardly infer what photos are doing, right? That means everybody takes photos. It is this mass culture that I was talking about, that we don't really see what is what. I remember that one day, one of my friends met a gypsy girl who was very, very interesting, and he wanted to take a snapshot of her, and this girl started laughing and he said, no, no, you can't take my photo because witchcraft can be done with the photos. That means some people know, but how many people know that the photo is magic? And a lot of things are there, but uh, we don't explore them enough. Um, I will jump directly to the energies of water. How much do we know about water? I don't know if you are aware, the same Henri Quanda, the aeronautical engineer, he made another one. He was a bit of a crazy guy. He made a lot of inventions in a lot of fields. He made another discovery, which probably you have never been told, but it's time that we found out today. Did you ever know that the snow is different from one country to another? That means simply this guy took snowflakes and he took magnifying photos of the snowflakes and he discovered a big surprise that the snow in Germany and the snow in France, they are simply different and they are always the same. And if you take a snowflake, you can immediately say this comes from Switzerland, this is snow from Switzerland. How can you say? What makes the difference? Why should the snow in Switzerland crystallize different from the snow in Austria? Why should the snow in Austria crystallize different from the snow in Japan? And why should the snow from Europe be different from the snow from Canada? And it is different. It can be seen. There are even albums. I have seen hundreds of pages of albums with snowflakes from the whole world. And it's amazing how it goes. And nobody tells you this. That means apparently in the water there are some unknown forces which create different crystallizing patterns. That is exactly what the radiesthesis, the radionics said, Abrams and Delaware. They noticed that the blood of a person crystallizes in different ways depending on its energy and on its disease. And that actually you can diagnose a disease exactly as the iris diagnosed. When you look at the iris of the eye and you see the disease on it, you can diagnose from a drop of blood. They are simply taking the drop of blood, mixing it with copper sulfate, 
which is a simple salt, copper sulfate is universally available and they are putting it on a plate, on a copper plate and letting it crystallize. And then you can see like it crystallizes, like and the crystallization pattern is always the same for the same person. Like the fingerprint. You can only have an energy fingerprint in your blood and saliva and so on. And if it is modified, you can see the disease. And in this way, there is a lot of stuff that we don't know, but we believe we know about the human being and our energies. What makes that we have a crystallizing pattern? What makes that it changes? For example, I'll give you a practical application to this. People say that if the water crystallizes different from one place of the earth to the other, then, for example, they say the water in your body is made in the place where you have been born. And that is why many alternative healers, they have a very funny theory. They say when you fall ill, there is a very simple therapy for healing. Go home. Go in the place where you have been born. Because actually your aura and the water in your body is attuned with the geographic place where you have been born. So sometimes simply going at home for two weeks, going in the town where you have been born, can heal you. Because somehow your water in the body is having a specific pattern. That is why the alternative healers, they say you should always eat food, fruits and vegetables which are grown in the place where you live and where you have been born. If you live in Europe, you should not eat kiwi from New Zealand, occasionally, but not on a regular basis, even if kiwi is very nice, because the kiwi grown in New Zealand when you live in Europe has a different pattern of crystallization of this energy. The informational thing is different and it will do you no good. If in your city and in your area there grow plums, Eat plums from the area of your city, that's your favorite fruit. That's what does you good, because these energy patterns, they fit with your being. There is a lot of stuff here, and I could tell you a lot of other forbidden uh, technology which came. Victor Schauberger, anybody interested in water should definitely read about Victor Schauberger, an Austrian scientist. Victor Schauberger, looked, he was a forester, a forest engineer. And he was very much interested, put it off because it doesn't matter, we don't need candles, I'm not making any religious ritual today. So. <coughs> With or without candles I can speak. Uh, Victor Schauberger, for example, he was looking at the fish. He considered that the water has some mysterious energies in it. He was a forester. He lived in the forest, he looked at the trees, he looked at the water. He was fascinated by the creeks in the mountains, by the water rivers, by the rivers in the mountains. And he was looking at trout, you know, the fish which is in the uh, rivers in the mountains. And he noticed that trout, this fish from the mountain is uh, swimming in a very peculiar way. For example, he was sitting over a bridge and looking at the trout in the water. Quick water, the water is rushing very quick and the trout stays like this in the middle of the river. And it seems, I mean, the trout is actually swimming up here with quite a big speed and it seems to make no effort. The fish is just sitting like this and the water is flowing 24 hours. 
it is a huge. Normally a fish should spend so such a huge energy just to keep in the same place of the water, right? Because the water 24 hours tends to push him. If you just sit like, a, like this, the water will carry him down in the ocean, right? And yet the fish is spending so much energy to sit in the same place of the river all the time. Where do they get this energy? How much energy do they spend for staying there? He looked at the trout, the trout is just shivering in a funny way, and he's sitting there, and the water passes. And it's a mountain rush, big, quick water, and then suddenly the trout is making just good, and he's three meters up the river. An amazing energy, you cannot do it mechanically with anything. Where does it come from? Sometimes salmons and trout, they make huge leaps ahead, and they jump and so on. Where does the energy come from? How do they do it? So this Schauberger, he started looking and he realized that the water has some vortex energy. For example, he said that when water is cold, it is having a special energy which it doesn't have when it is warm. That's why he said always the mountain rivers, they have an energy which the field rivers don't have. They, he said when a river is flowing under the trees and in the shade, collects a certain energy and the fact that it moves over rocks and other things collects a certain energy. In the moment when the sunshine hits on it too much and the water becomes flat, then that energy is being lost. So for example, Victor Schauberger copied the energy of the fish, the movements of the fish and the energies of nature. He said if you have a channel with water, the water is artificially flowing through a pipeline. For example, yes, very good. <coughs> so he said, look at the river in the mountain. It, it doesn't have a linear course. It flows like this, it's left and right, ups and downs, and over rocks. And the water is all the time bubbling and whirling, and it gets energized in a certain way. He said, if you take water and put it in a pipeline, or if you simply damp a river and you make it straight, like a canal, then that water loses its energy, because it just flows like this. There is no more whirls in it. So he simply found a way of re-energizing the water by putting on the bottom of a channel, that means he would make a channel of water, and he would just put like some fish wing things, so the water, when flowing through the channel, it will make woo, 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 whirls everywhere. And by doing this, he gave such an energy to water, even there is a film with him. He won a prize in invention in Austria, because he managed to make wood that was heavier than water float on water. They were having lumber striking, and they were cutting the wood, and the wood had to be carried down by canals, by a river be carried down to the factory where they would process the wood from up in the mountains. And this guy, he made channels, but these channels, they had these things inside. And the wood would float on water, although it was a brand of wood which was heavier than water. There was a coniferous wood with raisins in it, which made it particularly heavy. And the guy took the national prize in invention and so on, just because he made heavier than water things float on water, which is of course impossible. Therefore, Victor Schauberger said that the water is losing its energy. For example, Victor Schauberger thought that piped water, like we have today in the apartment, when you go and open your tap, he said it's dead. 
this water has no energy because it goes through all kinds of metallic and plastic pipes and it is running like this linearly. So you kill the energy. So today there are firms in the world which make Victor Schauberger recharging things. You have the water tap and in the water tap you put a thing. This is where the water tap ends. Right? And you put on it a special device where the water is circulating according to a special thing with fish wings, stuff like this. And when it is coming out here, it is re-energized. Re-energizing the water with a mysterious energy. If you want to understand more than this, that means I'm just telling you some scientific facts which interact with biology. Uh, which are interested in, interesting in yoga because apparently the water contains a mysterious energy which is valid for healing, for example. Everybody says, I would like to drink water which is vital, which brings me prana, which brings me energy. That means I am drinking this tap water, bottled water, all this water is not there, it does not have the energy anymore because of all these processing uh, factors. Um, two engineers uh, in, the, oh, in some 20 years, 25 years ago, they discovered an amazing thing, that apparently water has these energies from Schauberger, which Schauberger says, because water becomes polymeric, that the molecules of water, they link with each other, and they create some highly unstable structures, which are like the DNA. They go in hundreds and thousands of molecules and they build spirals. So actually the water chemically is H2O, two atoms of hydrogen for one atom of oxygen, but physically the water can have structures inside it. That's exactly what the yogis say about the air, that the air that we breathe has some unstable structures which they call globules of prana. And the yogis say in a clear day, not like today, in a day where you have blue sky and clear, lie down on your back, make sure that the sunlight doesn't touch your eyes, that means go in the shade of a tree, lie down on your back and look at the sky and defocus your eyes and you suddenly start seeing some strange things moving in front of your eyes, like some soap bottles. That those things are actually the globules of prana from the air, and this is how you learn to do pranayama in yoga, and how you deal with this prana, to collect prana from nature. Apparently, water has got the same thing. It has got some polymeric structures, and guess what? If the water is spiral, if it has the molecules of water, different, many, many, many molecules like this, spiraled in DNA-like structures, this spiraling can be clockwise or counterclockwise. But the DNA is always going only one way, as a one direction. So therefore, the question is what is happening with water when it has clockwise DNA-like spiral, spirals and when it has counter spirals? You would be surprised that two engineers, they actually made this experiment. They took the water, they considered that the water is polymeric, but that it has a very, very small degree of polymeric things. And then they have applied the technology from the polymeric industry, from the chemical industry of polymers. That means the polymers can be selected because they twist the polarized light to the left or to the right. It is levogyre and dextrogyre substances and by polarized light you can actually select them. This is what they do in the industry of polymers. So these guys, they did it with water. They do pure water, 
and this water they passed it through a machinery which was managing to select to eat and they passed it again and again and again enriching it like you do with nuclear substance for enriching its concentration so they managed to create water two reservoirs of water water which was very very much rich in left going spirals and water which was very very rich by passing it a hundred times to the same machine every time enriching it water which was very rich in right spiral things they discovered that this water is amazing they simply said that the water which has spirals the left side it is like the DNA it is giving life and the other water is giving death they immediately did realize that even in fairy tales those of you who read fairy tales there is stories about the water of life and the water of death that some people go to some magic springs and they bring the water of life and they give the water of life and the person comes back to life they have taken for example this water of life and water of death and they tried using it on wounds on burns on cancer tumors drinking it injecting it just water chemically and it has some absolutely magical effects it means this guy they reported and nobody seems to listen you don't learn in school about this this happened that is when this happened at one of them i know personally one of these engineers i went and visited him to see how far this thing was going. This thing was done 20 years ago or more, and yet 25 years ago now, and you don't hear about it. You are not being taught about it, and it's a perfectly scientific thing. I'm not talking about astral projection, right? I'm talking about something which is in the world of chemistry and physics, and water, and they found out that, for example, with this water, they could dissolve a cancer tumor, a moderate, uh, kind of walnut-sized cancer tumor in six hours could simply disappear, just like this just by taking water polymeric water the water of life and in this way they discovered a lot, a lot of applications of this is this used? no, it's not being used those two guys, they have gone underground completely that means uh, this invention has again hit against the wall of silence it was done People said, oh, we are going to make medicine, because imagine what would be even allopathic medicine, whatever, penicillin or whatever, antibiotica, but made with polymeric water instead of just normal water. It would have a potency which would be magnified hundreds of times. Has it ever been done? No, it has not been done. Or if it is being done, it is being done by secret services or some military thing, and we don't know about it. That means it was mentioned, and then suddenly it disappeared from the eye of the public. That is why I keep on telling you that there is a lot of this stuff, and you can get a lot of stuff, and it fits with what the yogis are saying. There is a lot of stuff about it, that you can energize water. Has it ever been done? No, it has not been done. Or if it is being done, it is being done by secret services or some military thing, and we don't know about it. That means it was mentioned, and then suddenly it disappears from the eye of the public. That is why I keep on telling you that there is a lot of this stuff, and you can get a lot of stuff and it fits with what the yogis are saying. There is a lot of stuff 
about it that you can energize water. For example, some people can magnetize water, like the holy water in the church. Why is the holy water in the church so special, right? They put some basic basilicum, some tulsi leaves in it from in India, in Europe. It's basil, it's the same, it's a sweet basil. They put a silver something and they make a prayer on that water. And the water becomes holy water. What is the difference between holy water? You'd be surprised that actually some, chem some physicists, they wanted to measure what's the difference. And they found out differences. The holy water is having a difference in its superficial tension. That means, you know, I don't know if you know, but there is a factor in physics which makes the water rises in tubes. If you put it in a capillary tube, it rises. It's called the superficial tension. This factor was finally, I mean, people asked, they measured a lot of things. Scientists spent a lot of time on this. And they found out that the superficial tension of the holy water, magnetized water, it's different. And the same thing is happening if you put the water under magnets, if you treat water with magnets. Now, why should water in the church, that means some guy put tulsi, some basilicum in it, you know, just uh, touching it, put a silver cross in it, and he says, oh, Holy Spirit, come and reside in this water, blah, holding his hands on it. And then it behaves like it was kept under magnets for two hours. Where is that energy coming from? That means these things are measurable things, and yet there is no explanation for them. Uh, there are many, many more things about this uh, energizing water. Like for example, some people say that always when you churn on water, or even on food, you churn them one way, you should churn them counterclockwise. So when you make a polenta, or when you make a soup, or when you make uh, mayonnaise, Right? You should churn it just one way, and that way should be counterclockwise because that is giving the energy of life. And the other one is creating the opposite effect. And many people would say, if you ask a normal person what effect is if you churn in your milk or whatever, clockwise or counterclockwise. Seems to be no difference. But if you think about the polymeric water, it makes a hell of a difference between one and the other. And there are many, many other things. I would like to uh, conclude perhaps with two things, because I have made my point. There is forbidden technology, much more than what I'm telling you this morning. I'm just opening your mind and heart so that even people who are strictly rationalist and focused only on the scientific thing, they can say, okay, you want the field of research when you are going to see the unknown in front of your eyes, it exists, but the media is making you believe that it does not exist. That is why I say, wake up. This world is mysterious. There are a lot of things in this universe, and you should not fall asleep and just say, yeah, we know everything, let's just eat and sleep, because the world is flat. The world is not flat, but the mystery has to be digged a little bit. You need to search a little bit for it. Com the contact with parallel universes. I don't know how many of you have heard the name of Konstantin Raudive. Konstantin Raudive, Latvian engineer actually, or from Estonia, I don't remember. Konstantin Raudive migrated to the West. One day he made a very strange invention, a very strange discovery. And he was making 
for
looking, using the same principle, some other electronic engineer, just as a parenthesis, they had an invention after this, they called it the transcommunication. It is a stupid thing in which you put a video camera to film the screen of a TV and you take the image from the video camera and put it on the TV. That means you film yourself. You take the cable and put it in the TV and you film the screen. And this gives a look that means it's like endless mirrors like this. It's like two mirrors in parallel which gives this infinite reflection. And it gives image in an image in an image in an image. And you just film a blank screen, nothing, just the gray screen. You put the camera really close and film the screen. And people doing this, because it's an infinite amplification, they have started amplifying very feeble images and they have seen faces and all kinds of images and symbols and diagrams appearing on the screen. Where do they come from? We really don't know. We are so blind and so ignorant, we really don't know. I will conclude this lecture by telling you a really spooking one, which is coming from a personal example. That means because I have been interested in this, I have contacted a lot of people, and it seems karma has put some of them right in my neighborhood sometimes, so I have met them. I have once met an engineer, he was another electronic engineer. This guy had been a colleague in the university with my mom. My mom was also an engineer, and this guy was considered to be the most brilliant student in electronics of his series. When they finished the university, he was the magna cum laude, he was the number one in the university. Everybody thought this guy was a bloody genius in electronics and he could do it all. My mother lost contact with him. They met only after 20 years or something. So after 25 years and so on, I joined the university, also being as a student in electronics in the same university. This guy was working as an assistant in a laboratory there. He was a nobody, starting from the time that he had been a brilliant student. He was a non-entity, he was a laboratory technician, a fifth grade employee in one of the laboratories. Then I found his story, but the funny thing is that I found out about his story. What had happened? A woman who was a typist, she was typing on typewriters. A woman who was a typist, totally unknown woman, who was somehow close to this uh, guy who was called Teodorescu, she one day entered in a state of trance. She had a kind of fever or something, and in a state of fever she started delirating and she suddenly found herself typing something completely unknown, a little bit like the automatic writing in spiritism. When this woman stopped from typing, she discovered that she had been typing a two or three pages. She kept on typing a couple of pages, like in a delirium, and she typed some technical information about how to build a strange device, a pendulum light with a crystal or something like this. And the really spooking thing was that in the end of this thing, which she typed, she was a completely technically ignorant person. In the end of this message, it was written, she had written it down, that this message can be interpreted properly only by the engineer Theodorescu Valentin, whom she should contact immediately and give him these papers. She didn't know the guy, she didn't know who Theodorescu Valentin would be. So she took the pain of finding it and he went to this guy and said, look, you probably think I'm crazy and I think I'm crazy. I have gone into a delirium and I have typed two pages of technical information 
which in the end I myself have written that I should give to you and I don't even know it. Here it is, I don't make something out of it. This guy read it and being a brilliant scientist, he immediately realized that he could build this thing. He understood what it was and he built it. And when he built this thing, he found out that he would get some simple yes-no like of answers, that he could put questions and get answers, like with the pendulum. And he started dialoguing with something or somebody that was unknown. And by this dialogue, he simply managed to perfect this machine and to get further information, and he got the plans of a much bigger resonance, like a radio which is transdimensional, communicating with another world, with another form of intelligence, with another civilization, whatever. And this guy, when he got the plans of this machine, he realized one thing, that in Romania, with his means at that time, there was no way he could do it, because he needed sapphires, big sapphires, crystals, and a lot of things which were completely way over the possibilities of the personal. And in Romania, the only way he could do it was with the military. So he went straight to the army, and he said, I'm receiving some strange communication, which neither you or I understand anything about it, and I have received the plans of a much more sophisticated machine, which will make this possible. Will you sponsor it? Are you interested in this process? And the military were interested. And they hired the guy to build this machine to see what would happen next. He built this machinery, and he got in contact with someone, with something. Even today, even he doesn't know with who or what it was. They were speaking with someone. Of course, it was military research. They thought about Franks. They were communists, paranoid. They thought about some stupid joke from the American CIA. Or, I mean, they thought about everything. They were trying to take all the necessary steps for this thing not to be a stupid hoax because they could not spend the communist government's money on stupidities. And they went really thorough with this research. They even asked for a proof. That means this guy said, if you really are something else than we humans, then give me something scientific which does not exist on earth today and that we can have a proof that we are talking business. And this guy allegedly gave them a cream, the chemical formula of a cream, which could make tumors of cancer recede in six hours. Again, amazing. This guy had it in his hand and they even made it and tested it. And then there appeared some political complications. It was communist country, corruption, and a lot of political games, a lot of interest. And the guys were trying to start to use this principle telepathically for influencing people, for getting more power, and so on. So after a few weeks, suddenly the experiment got disrupted. They got some strange input in it, because they were trying to use this for hypnotizing people, for doing all kinds of their own experiments. And then this machinery came with an angry message which said because instead of being interested in knowledge you are misusing this fundamental knowledge, this experiment will be disrupted, we consider that you are not worthy to receive such things. And that is why we require, we demand that every single information concerning this device and everything you've got until now should be burned down and destroyed. At which the guy said, yeah, right, you believe so. Now we've got it, we are going to go along with it. And that this machinery simply gave another message. And it said, if by tomorrow, at this time, or whatever, this is not happening, 
that there will happen. And they gave a list of 20 events which are going to happen, all of them catastrophic. The first guy was going to die, the second guy's child was going to die, the third guy's wife was going to break her leg. Just a series of events which were very clear. The guys didn't believe it. And in the next day, after 12 o'clock, after the deadline, those events started happening out of the blue. The first man's wife broke her leg, leg, the second guy's child died in a car accident, and when the first two on the list happened, the others panicked immediately, and they burned down everything, and they stopped the project and destroyed everything, because those guys told them, don't try to hide something in your drawer, because we know everything which moves. So they said, you have to destroy everything or else. And they destroyed everything, they fired this guy, this guy found himself totally on the street, in a, then his file was this guy working secret projects of the government, he's very dangerous, he, nobody hired him. One of his old colleagues from the university, who became a professor in electronics, took him out of pity and hired him as a technician in a laboratory. At the time when I met him, the guy was in the, he was having a very strange private life. His wife was a member of a strange Christian sect, and she didn't, she wouldn't make abortions or anything. The guy had four kids, five kids. I don't know how much. She was unusually much for an intellectual in Romania. Had a very heavy family. He didn't have salary. He was working really hard work, and he was a bloody genius in electronics. And he was hired as a technician in a laboratory out of mercy of one of his friends, and. Because I knew this story through my yoga guru who knew the persons who were involved in this project and because I also knew him through my mother who introduced me to him, I one day I went straight to him, to the laboratory, I caught him alone and I said, Mr. Teodoresco, I know your weird story about this, this is true and true and true and true. When he heard, that completely white in his face and he sat down and he said, how do you know this kind of thing? because nobody knows, and he said, this is state secret, and I'm completely spooked on it and in danger. And he confirmed, he said, it, it has happened, as you say, and more than you know, but he said, I cannot tell you anything, because first of all, it's a military thing, and the second, it simply destroyed my life. I'm completely traumatized because of this thing, and I'm panicking for the rest of my life. So I tried to ask him, who were these guys with you communicating? What it was, he said, I refuse to tell anything. I cannot tell anything, I don't want to hear about it, I don't want to speak about it, it destroyed my life completely, I just... Later on in time he immigrated, he had a child who had asthma and he wanted to give him treatment, now he lives in Canada, in some place, he must be 65 years old or something like this, but there was, that's why I'm saying, such people exist, such things happen, this is not science fiction what I told you today, it's a guy that I've met that exists, whose story has been corroborated from two different sources, and such things exist. That's why if you think that you cannot communicate with some different form of intelligence, even with an electronic machinery, you are wrong. It has been done. It has been done by Raudinen, it has been done by Teodorescu, and it has been done probably by others that I haven't got a clue to, because I'm not I'm sure that Teodorescu is not the only one. That is why I told you all this morning, all these spooking things. Yes, there is forbidden information, there is forbidden science, a lot of things are happening, and yoga is coming parallel to it. It says, do your own experiment. That is why, be open, search a little bit. This world is mysterious, but it is useless 
to just listen to the media as it is and to be drowned in misinformation. Even if you don't have the plan of becoming like Ramakrishna Paramahamsa and seeing the ultimate truth, truth for yourself, that requires a vocation. Only some people are inclined to that. But remember that there is a lot of unknown energies, there is a lot of unknown physics, there is a lot of unknown knowledge which could make our life better and which is exceptional. I hope that you got the point that even in the world of science, there are many, many things, and if any one of you has a scientific inclination, use it. Use it intelligently because a lot can still be done. There is a lot out there waiting for intelligent spirits, and therefore, in the field of healing, in the field of energy, in the field of a lot of other things, like I told you here, there is way to go. This was a live recording of Swami Vivekananda Saraswati. For more information, visit us on agamayoga.com or go directly to agamayoga.com slash downloads.